0: Is, is the, the WTF, WTF Bach Podcast. That Work the podcast about Johann Sebastian Bach. Brought to you by his prodigal son, WTF Bach. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. Why don't you let WTF Bach guide you? And now, here's WTF Bach.
1: Hey, it's WTF Bach. Chinners, we have got to talk about the Goldberg variations sometime on this podcast, so that's now. But we're not gonna go through the front, we're gonna go through the back door and discuss the 14 canons on the back of Bach's own personal copy of the Goldberg variations found in the 1970s. It is certainly one of the most important Bach discoveries of the 20th century, the fact that this this piece of paper was discovered, this whole copy, Bach's own personal copy, which includes tempo markings, added ornaments, various corrections in the accidentals, and it makes, therefore, anything that was published before the 70s sort of obsolete. Certain accidentals in the Goldberg Variations, certain C sharps, for example, if they're not played on a recording, you're pretty sure that this recording is before this wonderful discovery but besides the whole Goldberg variations themselves are these wonderful 14 canons penned on the back of Bach's own copy have you heard them i mean are they the sort of music that is is heard is listened to it's not really a It's not a set of pieces like the Goldberg Variations. It's not something you go to a concert to hear. These are 14 pieces of theory that have a curious history. What happens is George Frederick Handel, in the 1730s, around 1733, though written much earlier, Handel decides to publish a collection of his suites. Now, Bach, who admires his German contemporary, sits down one afternoon with the new Handel before him, and he voraciously reads through every single suite. Now, he sees a particularly interesting suite, which contains a chaconne and 62 variations. The bass line of the chaconne is this. (laughs) And every single variation will use that sort of bass line, whether it be something like this. this. Or simply a variation on the harmony. In any case, each variation is eight measures long, and there is the chaconne, there's sort of the aria at the beginning, and then there's 62 of these variations. Now, this is only conjecture, but I sort of imagine that Bach read through these variations at least uh, dispassionately, or more of a sense of duty to see what was going on and handle The piece is not, it's not that great. I would say it's obviously very repetitive. You have eight bars, it never goes into minor, it's only these eight bars of this harmony 62 times. But... The very last variation, something interesting happens. And of course if you are a devoted listener to this podcast You know that that is a canon It's the same line Separated by one beat Now whether or not Bach already had this idea to turn the bass line into something more palatial, or whether it was this canon that set off Bach's thinking, something, in any case, struck Bach about the shape of this bass line, and it's being treated with the canonic art form. Also, there must have been something interesting in the number 62 for Bach, or since there was the aria plus 62, the, 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 the number 63. Bach might have seen this number as somehow composite, 63 divisible by 7, 9. This must have done something to Bach's numerical thinking, right? He must have thought of 64 as being the next number, and it being divisible, it being a multiple of 2, essentially. And in music, you have quarter notes, eighth notes, 16th notes, 32nd notes, 64th notes. Ah, he might have even seen the 8 bass notes as divisible by 64. In any case, when Bach composes the bass line to the Goldberg Variations, he composes the same first eight notes, but then he adds an additional three times that phrase. So he adds another 24 bars to that, and his bass line is 32 notes long. From there, as we know, Bach adds 30 variations and has the set of 30 variations bookended by two arias, one at the beginning, one at the end, and then you come up with a number, 32, half of 64, right? S- something in Handel inspired Bach to do this. But first, possibly, even probably before the composition of the Goldberg Variations, Bach just takes the bass line, and he's interested in Handel's canonic treatment of it, and he sets about making his own canons just on these eight bass notes. Now, Handel is not the first person to use this bass line. This is, in fact, a more or less common idiom in Baroque music, but Bach, what makes Bach the true genius is that he is the first one to see the canonic potential of just that line. He looks at this line in more than one direction, and he realizes if you play it backward in retrograde. So let me record this. I'm going to take what I recorded, play it backward at the same time as that, and you will hear its canonic solution of itself. is pretty nifty. And again, I can't stress how many different factors go into the making of a Bach, but there was this bass line that had been staring composers in the face. But Bach just has that extra insight, was able to make a canon using only that raw material. But what's next is that Bach not only looks at things going backward, he also looks at things going upside down. So he inverts the bass line. So now this... Instead of walking down from G to F-sharp, I'm going to walk up so that this becomes and this becomes so we could see the mirror happening. What we generated by inverting our bass line, we have something like this. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself or of anyone, so two. Recap. We have the original bass line and its retrograde. That is, red on the paper from right to left. Beside the retrograde we have the inversion of the same original bass line, which instead of going down, goes up. So one is the inversion, the other is the retrograde. The problem with this inversion is that it kind of sounds like it's in C major. So Bach will shift this piece of musical information to G. And this is our inversion. Now this is not necessarily a random shifting of this piece of musical information into this. It has to do with choosing an axis, right? This chooses the axis of G. If you choose B as the axis, which is nice, because B is between G and D, the tonic and the dominant, if you choose the axis of B, then we get naturally the inverted form that Bach prefers. Indeed, it does sound like it's in G major. Here we have the bass line, the retrograde, And the inversion. Now what happens, of course, you're asking, when you get the retrograde of the inversion. Yes, that is our fourth piece of this Bachian musical puzzle. That is the inversion of the retrograde. So all four, normal. Retrograde. Inversion. Retrograde inversion. To prove to you that it is indeed the retrograde inversion, I'm going to record this now, which is the inversion. And do the same thing that I did with Canon 1, play it backward. This is squeezing water from a stone, my friends. This is the late mindset of Bach. From these eight notes... Bach has generated four unique individual lines and knows how to combine them canonically. How do we know to play them from right to left? Well, it's very interesting. Bach writes at the end of each line a little backward-facing clef, so that's your clue that it indeed goes backward. If you haven't seen these these on paper, they they look very interesting. I used to be fascinated just, just by looking at them, so I'm going to put a link to the image in the episode description. I'll also put a link to those handle 62 variations on the chaconne, and you can tell me what you think about the piece. But now we're going on to canons 3 and 4. Canons 1 and 2, they begin and end at the same time. In other words, the dukes and the comas, the leader and the follower, they start and they end at the same time. But in canon 3, we have our first leader. He plays, of course, those eight notes that you all have engraved on your soul by now. Bach says, yes, you've had your bass line and you've had it reversed and played at the same time, but have you had your bass line and your inversion? They will not come at the same time. That sounds like this. But if you separate them as you would in any other canon, we have this. Play them forever, infinitely. Bach also says: since these two lines are perfectly convertible, what goes up may come down, or what's on top is on the bottom. The inversion now we use is the dukes. And the comas, the follower, I will make the bass line. Again, you can play this canon forever. And of course, we can turn both of these two canons that I was looping uh, in reverse, and then we get a fifth and a sixth canon, even though they're not the fifth and the sixth canon, we have through implication many forms of these. listening to the third canon in retrograde. Reading the third canon from right to left, though, all I did was switch the audio, and now here is the fourth canon again. Switch the audio, just play the fourth canon, then switch the audio into reverse. Here's the retrograde of the fourth canon. Now, these first four of the fourteen additional canons penned on the back of the Goldberg Variations. These four are in a way sort of the most complicated since from one line, from eight notes, he generates four unique lines and from them has Six canons, I mean, those reversed versions when I was playing the solutions to canon three and four in reverse, those are usually not included among the solutions, but that's because there are so many solutions. In fact, at the end of these 14 canons, Bach pens, etc., you'll see in the image in the episode description that he doesn't solve them for you. He sort of gives you the strip of music, the smallest unit, that, that DNA of the Goldberg canons, onto which you put all your solutions. This is where I'm going to stop with this episode because I have a lot more that I want to say about even these first four canons and how they appear on the page and what different ways there are to solve them and sort of the implications of all that. And then there's ten more canons to cover. So I hope this whets your musical appetites and exactly what Bach is up to on this very exciting discovery from the 1970s. Uh, In fact, that picture, the picture that you probably know of Bach holding the little piece of paper, that little piece of paper will come into play during the discussion of these 14 canons. But I won't leave you without something sort of fun, so here is um, my MIDI rendition of the Dorian Toccata from the... Organ, Toccata, and Fugue, BWV 538, I believe. Enjoy. Thanks for listening.
0: To come for all of your Bach needs. W T L. Of course, course you come come to Evan. Hold my hand hand while we walk through the the dense dense forest forest of you. Do you like ever wonder what makes Bach Bach? Shortly, Surely, you're, you're not, not going to listen to, to the, the WTF Bock podcast alone. We exist because of your feedback and donation. Become a patron of WTF Bock or donate on PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. You should become a WTF Bock patron. Thank you for listening. Didn't you always want to be a patron? Haven't you always wanted to be called a patron? Somebody who supports art and culture and music? Well, you can do that with the WTF Bach Podcast. Thank you for listening. Support on PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. You can find all relevant links in the episode description.